Two years into his presidency, Joe Biden is calling for unity and vowing to rebuild America. Fighting for the sake of fighting, power for the sake of power, conflict for the sake of conflict gets us nowhere. That's always been my vision of our country, and I know it's many of yours. To restore the soul of this nation, to rebuild the backbone of America, America's middle class, and to unite the country. We've been sent here to finish the job, in my view. That's President Joe Biden during yesterday's State of the Union address. It was his first major encounter with the newly empowered House Republicans. While there were plenty of pledges, there were also moments of drama, heckling and off-scripted quips. E.J. Dion is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institute and columnist at the Washington Post, and he joins me now. Good morning. And before the State of the Union, you said that President Biden had an obligation to make a strong, comprehensible, philosophical contribution. In your assessment, did he meet that criteria? I think he did. I think he was making not only a case for himself. And the atmospherics really mattered. If I could digress for just a second there, you still have polls which show that while Democrats really like Joe Biden, they worry that he is getting old and a majority of them at the moment say they want another candidate. Uh, He looked strong. He looked in control. He um, I think he impressed a lot of the doubters about, you know, where where he is right now and his strength. I think he did make a case for the shift that he has helped uh, institute from a kind of still hangover of Reagan economics, small government economics, government intervention is always bad kind of approach uh, to making a case for the big interventions that happened over the last two years with a lot of spending on infrastructure, a lot of spending on new technology and microchips and a lot of spending on the green economy to fight climate change. I think he made that case. I think what was fast, a couple of fascinating things. One, you mentioned rightly the heckling from the Republicans. Um, He was trying to send two somewhat contradictory messages at the same time. On the one hand, there was all of that unity talk that you we heard him uh, heard from him at the beginning of the segment. Uh, And that was true. And he emphasized that some of the legislation he passed uh, last year uh, was passed uh, with Republican support. But you clearly see in this new Republican House, particularly on the right end of that caucus, um, people who wanted to heckle. Uh, there were some very funny moments where the House Speaker sitting behind the president um, was kind of looking out at the people heckling Biden and almost trying to shush them and saying, this is not making us look good. Uh, But Mm. Biden mixed it right up with them and challenged them on cuts to Social Security, on their approach to the deficit. So he sent both signals. I want to work with you, but I'm going to fight you if I have to. Yeah, well, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene even stood up and shouted liar at him. Just in terms of its historical context, is there usually this level of drama during a state of union? No, it's very rare. There was a famous moment uh, during an Obama uh, State of the Union where one member got up and yelled, you lie. Uh, This was um, uh, out of control, if you will, and uh, relatively speaking, out of control in a way that uh, was very unusual. These are usually very stately affairs. And people on the other in the opposition party usually express their opposition by sitting down and not applauding. And so you usually have these very funny scenes of one side of the House 
uproariously uh, cheering mm. him and the other side of the house silent and on their hands. So this was quite unusual. And it happened repeatedly. It happened on border issues. It happened when uh, Biden called them out saying that they uh, want to cut Social Security or a pension program for the elderly. And it's funny, they were saying, no, we don't want to do that. And Biden very cleverly looked at them and said, good, we've already settled that. We're not going to cut that and then moved on. So, yeah, it was very unusual. And it tells you about the nature of that caucus and still the enduring divisions in our country right now. Now, President Biden went to great lengths to outline the positives with the economy, but there are constant warnings from the Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, that inflation isn't slowing fast enough. So was the president trying to put a positive spin on what is clearly a sort of precarious situation? Yeah, I think his biggest problem in that speech, and that speech didn't fully try to solve it, uh, is that while things are so much better than they were two years ago when he took office in the wake of the pandemic, um, a lot of Americans are still saying they don't feel it. Um, And despite all the achievement of his first term, there was a Washington Post ABC poll that showed, uh, I think it was 62 percent of Americans saying he didn't accomplish a lot, which is uh, you know, not true by most conventional measures and certainly not Biden's view. Um, And I think he could have done two things Uh, yesterday. He could have tried to say, I understand. I understand why you're not happy. And he just decided that the better course was to say, this is working. Let's continue. Um, And it reminded me a bit of Ronald Reagan back in 1982. Uh, In the middle of a recession, Reagan was saying, my policies are right. We've got to keep at it. And his slogan was, stay the course. Uh, Biden's version of that is let's finish the job. And so he's trying to persuade the country that uh, things are better off than you're telling the pollsters. People, uh, when they judge their own economic lives, are actually somewhat more positive mm. than they are about the country as a whole. Is it also, sorry to interrupt, to but is we're it, on the right. Is it also a hint yeah, that he wants to run again? Oh, I, the 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 general view around Washington is that this was the beginning of a, of the next uh, campaign. Um, I I must say, I had thought for a while that he might not run, but all the signals we are getting right now are that he is running. He appeared over the weekend at the Democratic National Committee, a purely political event, uh, and he sure looked like a candidate. And I think a lot of Democrats who may have doubts about whether he should run for election are kind of swinging behind him because what they don't want is a big divisive fight in the party Uh, that could tear it apart. And so I think even people who wonder, should he run? Is his age going to be a problem? Then look at the alternative and say, we don't want all of the turmoil it would create if Biden decided to step down. And I I think the indications are uh, that in uh, March or April, he'll tell the country that he's running again. EJ Dion, always love talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Always fun to be with you. Thank you so much. Senior fellow at the Brookings Institute and columnist at the Washington Post, E.J. Dion. And you're listening to ABC RN Breakfast. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features. Me again, podcasters. I hope you're enjoying our coverage of international affairs on RN Brekkie. And if you're looking for more stories that put world events into context, then look for Between the Lines on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.